Welcome to Dialogue on Teaching, Wabash Center's podcast series. I am Nancy Lynn Westfield, Director of the Wabash Center. Paul Myrie is in the Sound Engineer's booth. It is my pleasure to welcome to the conversation today, Dr. Roger Nam. Dr. Nam is Professor of Hebrew Bible, Candler School of Theology, Emory University. Welcome, Roger, to the conversation. You are our, our steady guest because you know what's trending, you know what's happening, and we depend on uh, your information and your wisdom and your guidance. So thank you for being here. A pleasure to be here. Always enjoy my conversations with you. So we are here to talk about generative pre-trained transformer or chat <laughs> GPT. Did I get that right? Yeah, you got it right. Yeah. Chat GPT. Tell us, first of all, what it is. And then we'll talk more about why should faculty in religion and theology care about chat GPT? Right. So some of the listeners might not have heard of chat GPT, but I guarantee you all of your students not only have heard about it, but have probably played with it and used it. So chat GPT is essentially an open AI um, chat bot. And so it's a model used by artificial intelligence that's trained to study a huge amount of data. And with that data, they're able to generate human-like responses to any prompt. For example, if you prompt it, please write a paper on the comparison of the Sermon on the Mount in other synoptic gospels of 2000 words, it will generate that. Mm -hmm. And it will make it pretty stunningly good in comparison to our notions of artificial intelligence. So we've heard, I've heard about this just a little bit. Um, I did not investigate because I wasn't interested in it, but certainly I can see how it could shift learning activities, learning assignments, and most specifically student assessment, right? I, I imagine that's right. where the, that's where the problem is. How, what, what then is learning if AI right, is right. so integrated into learning and then what is grading? So, so help wait, continue to wade into the conversation. How, how will this be disruptive to our classrooms, the way we currently imagine our classrooms and, and practice our classrooms. Right. So AI is nothing new, and we've had it for a long time. And even this level of AI is, is stunning for us, but it's not necessarily innovative technology. What's really incredible about this AI is, one, is it has a ton of money going into it. So this is started by a group, a Silicon Valley investment uh, research group called OpenAI, it's funded by people like actually Elon Musk was one of the original funders of this. He dropped out in 2018, but the start of 2015. Microsoft is a huge, like billions of dollars is going into this from Microsoft. So there's a lot of money in the development of this chat bot. The second thing that is absolutely stunning is how fast it's disseminating. And so chat bot, this particular chat GPT got a million users in five days. In comparison, Spotify got a million users in 150 days. Instagram got a million users in 75 days. And so to get a million users in five days, and this was in November when it was launched, it's growing exponentially. And so that's why I say, even if professors don't know about this, students certainly have. So I think we have to confront the reality of this tool being very accessible to all the students that we have, and how are we going to navigate through this tool and think about teaching, learning, and of course, in particular, what is assessment? Mm -hmm. 
And what immediately comes to mind is that this is not just challenging, but disrupting what plagiarism is and and what cheating is. Yeah, absolutely. So what and so people are already talking about this on Twitter, discovering chat GPT generated responses to essays. And so, of course, with technology, with any sort of cheating, since you know you and I were kids, it's always kind of this this war of attrition between the teacher and the student. There are different technologies developed, different methods of uh, trying to catch that technology, things like turnitin.com. And so as soon as chat GPT was generated, within weeks, someone developed a program to catch essays that were generated by chat GPT. So there's mm-hmm. that as well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it is so part of that, I think, for us as teachers gets away from the question. I think integrity is important, but I think it really turns us to the fundamental heart of what do we do in a classroom? What is learning yeah. and how do we measure learning? And I, I think very highly of research papers. I think it's very important for students to learn expository prose, but that isn't the only method of assessment, especially in theological education where it demands creativity and certain critical thinking and dealing with present context and dealing with modern culture, maybe the expository essay should not be the sole or even primary means of assessment for a classroom. And it might not ever enter a classroom, right? It, It might be time to do away with it in lieu of other things, not without, not without evaluation, not without assessment, not without grading, but that it might cause us to think, did the expository essay tell us what students learned or was it just easier for us to say it was gradable? Right, right. I don't even think it's that easy to grade. I think they're, you know, they're kind of a pain to grade, but I think it's what we are familiar with. I think for a lot of us who are professors in theological education, we were given expository essays and a lot of us did really well with them. And so we kind of mimic what was done to us. And so I think what chat GPT has the the potential of doing is really catalyze ourselves to think about other ways of assessment that might be more fun, generative, creative, and and also assessment should not just be assessment. You should use that time of exams or assessment assignments to be products of learning as well. They should help the student get to their learning objectives. And so this is one way to think through that. So are there ways, and it might be too early in the larger conversation, but are there ways, I I hear us talking about, okay, jettison expository um, essays or take another look at them. Are there ways that students with the facilitation of teachers can benefit from the use of chat GPT? Yeah, I have a a really, I I like tips. Like I know the Wabash Center isn't about tips, but I still like tips when they represent something deeper. Mm-hmm. If you haven't, if you're a teacher out there and you haven't played with chat GPT, you should play with chat GPT because your students are. It's not just about this application. Yeah. It's about the current culture and technology and what this can do to really revolutionize the way that we as humans interact with technology. And so I played around with it and I did some things like um, some silly searches to be honest, Lynn, I, I I put in the chat bot, how should I introduce chat GPT in my podcast with the Wabash Center? Uh-huh. And it said that um, it was very stilted language, something like with its ability to understand and generate human-like text, chat GPT can be used to enhance language translation and 
personalized, like it was kind of stilted. And so I, I played around with more fun prompts, like something I would ask on an exam, in what sense is the Exodus historical? Uh, what are the different theories of the Dead Sea Scrolls? Um, what are the different ideas of the authorship of Ezra Nehemiah? Some of these answers are really good. Some of them in, in terms of the data that they give. And they're grammatically almost perfect, which actually doesn't feel like student writing, but it's nearly perfect grammar. But some of these answers are also, um, you can tell that they're not very thoughtful or it's just generating from the mess. For example, I Googled, or I didn't Google, I chatbotted, what, who are the best biblical scholars? Very disappointed in the answer. So I put a thumbs down. You could put feedback on that. I uh, also entered the chatbot things like, uh, what are some, like, I honestly did this, who are the best Korean biblical scholars in Chandler? <laughs> and there's only one, and it didn't come up with that person, it was me. <laughs> and so there, there's some fun ways to do that. So this is what I suggest. So did he give an answer at all? Thing. Did he give an answer it, to that question? It was actually a very good answer in terms of, well, it depends on what you mean on a biblical scholar, you know, yeah. you know, you could have to consider different things. Okay. So it was a nice judicious answer. Okay. Uh, but I would also kind of consider if you have a synchronous class, use chat GPT within the class and use it as a tool for some of these prompts and model for the students. How do you deal with AI, which kind of synthesizes massive amounts of data? And then at, so one great, answer to the historical excess question, it really depends on your theological tradition. So what you think about the history of the Exodus will be different in a conservative evangelical seminary compared to a mainline or a Catholic institution or a Jewish institution. And so it would be really interesting to run some of these questions with ChatGBT and model as the professor and authority in the classroom, how you evaluate those responses. In fact, people are doing this on YouTube right now, creating content, but just asking random questions. And another thing that does, it shows the students in a very non-threatening way that, hey, the professor knows about ChatGPT. You might want to think twice about using this to short, you know, just give them a little tiny gentle motivation not to use this as an alternative form of doing their assignment. Well, I'd like so many of these um, flex points in classroom practices with technology, right? It is, right. And this, I'm just going to say back what you said, it, it is a time where when we can expand and think and rethink and see it as an opportunity to measure learning, to think through different assignments, to think through different learning opportunities, learning goals, learning outcomes, all those kinds of things. And I think for those colleagues who are in an environment and in a personal practice of asking those questions, this feels wonderful and it makes sense. For those schools and those, those faculties and those individuals who are not interested in are stymied by the question of, other kinds of grading, other kinds of ways of looking at assessment, other kinds of assignments other than essays or writing, many people will just be at a loss with this conversation. Right, right. Well, that is part of, um, goes to deeper values as educators and, and what do we think through it. And part of us in theological education, you know, we, we do this for the advancement of knowledge, but also for a lot of us, there's a institutional mission that connects our work as educators to actual communities, lived realities. Mm -hmm. And this community has in their reality the emergence of AI. So I would actually try to challenge 
maybe your assessments should change over time to match the currents of these actual lived communities. And so I mentioned that ChatGPT is funded by Microsoft. Part of their plan, like what they're very explicit, they want to challenge Google. So Google has this nearly worldwide dominance of search engines. And the Microsoft CEO is, is all over media these days talking about what ChatGPT can do to enhance search capabilities. So have you ever had an experience where you searched in Google and was frustrated by the results? Of course. And so ChatGPT integrated with Microsoft's search engine of Bing is trying to challenge Google by providing more optimal results from a search to take away some of that market share. So that's the reality is how people will go. And that's just one example for a search. It impacts everything from your shopping to you know the way that you get online information. And so I think it really, you know, if if a professor wants to enter this cheating battle with students, who are very technologically savvy, I can tell you they're going to win some of the time, but they're going to lose a lot of the time. So my my encouragement is to think through what are some ways you could face the open reality of these chatbots and engage in assignments that will be more generative towards actual learning and not spending all your energy catching people that might have used. And also, you know, cheating is Ultimately, you should know that's not the decision in most institutions of the professors. Professors only have the power, the legal power, to put suspected issues of plagiarism to a dean, and the dean needs to adjudicate those situations. And so it really is institutional specific as well. So so the, the pol- faculty as policing, people policing, you're not going to win that battle, right? That's what I hear you saying. You're not going to win that battle. Right. And nobody right. wants to spend their scholarly time policing their students. At least I wouldn't want to. Um, and I also think that, uh, learning and data are, data is just a small part of learning. So there might be something to learn and be enhanced in our classroom to say data only ever will take you so far, right? Right. That's the crux of the banking system in the first place. So if we're able to move past just data giving, data gathering, data manipulation, then you've got the other 99% of the of learning, (laughs) right, to play with. Right. Yeah. And so every classroom is a particularized social context that chat GPT is unable to to do. Even if you wrote something like for a mainline Presbyterian PCUSA Southern congregation do this, it still will be not restrictive enough to particularize it to your classroom context. So I don't think there's a danger of even much more advanced AI replacing the professor but this is a place where we can really show our expertise and authority by knowing, as you say, how do we filter this data to make it knowledge that is beneficial to our learning goals for this particular institution? Yeah. So, okay, Roger, put on your your deaning hat. You, you oh, yeah, for a while. Got it. <laughs> um, what help help our deans know? Our department heads know. What would you do? Like, would you convene faculty conversations? Would you, you know what I mean? What would you do? Right. I think one thing is just to let people know, and this is out there, and a lot of students use this. And I think it'd be very powerful, not just to lecture them about that, but just, hey, here's a prompt from a test. How good do you think ChatGPT will do? And just enter the prompt and see how it goes and allow that to generate some sort of discussion. If you have an institution where the majority of your faculty actually care about good teaching, which I believe a lot of 
you know, mm-hmm. the Wabash do. people who listen they to do. this do, Absolutely. then I think you'll generate a very nice conversation on how we can engage. And I think it doesn't have to be fear-based, but one that really looks towards the student and how the student can, you know, live in this reality. Another kind of side issue that's related, the question, well, why can't you chat GPT sermons? And people are doing that. And whether they use it as a rough draft or whether they use it as a way to generate ideas, the reality is, you know, pastors are stressed and they're tired. And maybe they had two funeral services on Saturday when they plan to prepare their sermon. And it's 8 p.m. And so the lectionary says Luke 7, they throw it in and they get something decent. Mm-hmm. You know, how can we have a conversation with that reality of the pastor's life and something that's faithful to the task of preaching on the Sunday morning? The same will be true for early career scholars. It's the week before AAR. They know they're on a panel. They know they are overstressed, has not written a solid draft of the paper they're supposed to right. give on the panel. So our colleagues, well, let's not, this is not just for our students. Our colleagues oh, yeah. will be using chat GPT to create academic papers. Right. And the language is pretty good for a lot. You know, it, it's really nice and fluid language and stuff. And, and absolutely, I, I think... And is that totally different from a lot of the tricks that we did in our generation when we're going through graduate school? For example, I still do this. What's a recently completed doctoral dissertation? Those often give the best literature reviews that are up to date and modern because they're tested on that those types of things. Certainly, most synthesized, right? Oh yeah, very well synthesized. Glean, glean, glean. You can you can start with a synthesized document with German and French literature as well. Currents a bit like we do the same things. And there's a moment where Wikipedia became a little bit more trusted than when it first be. I know it's pretty solid. It's like almost like a printed encyclopedia in terms of its accuracy overall. And and so we have always relied on these kind of tricks. And mm-hmm. so uh, what is the reality with this? And I, I certainly, of course, I hope it's not the only thing you look at, but as a starting point, the other thing is translation. This is a huge potential benefit. So a lot of theologians need to take exams in German and French and you lose it. And, you know, when I took my exam, I had to do it in a room that was monitored with a huge, big paper dictionary. Well, this could be an easier starting point to help with translations in German and French and other things when you haven't been close to the languages recently. So there are benefits as well. Mm-hmm. So I like your language of uh, uh, chat GPT is a tool, uh, maybe a new tool for many of us, but a tool nonetheless. And like any tool, we have to learn how to use it, when to use it, when not to use it, how best to use it, all those those kinds of things, rather than be afraid of it or somehow put a moratorium on it and say, no, no, right. stay away from that electric typewriter. We're supposed to be typing manually. I know. <laughs> I remember those days too. All I, sorts would, of I would oh, never, yeah. <laughs> I could never use a Yeah, we had a typing room in my dorm. I met for like <laughs> literal typewriters and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are so many... Um, ethical questions that will, of course, emerge as they do. And it like, you can use it to begin a draft for a, a grant report. You know how the end of the year we talk about faculty evaluations and your own report. You could do it with things like um, grading, <laughs> you know, like, you know, write some comments on this page. Like there's so many ways that you can kind of use and abuse. Uh, yeah. But like you said, like any tool, it needs to have ethical boundaries. And I think they're best modeled and talked about up front, especially when you're talking about 
the sheer number of users that chat to you. I think the worst thing is to ignore it, to pretend it doesn't exist. I think that's the somehow engage with it in a way that you're comfortable. And and know, and this is where you started the conversation, know that regardless of what you decide personally or even as a faculty, your students are making use of this tool. Your students have them, they're logged in. They were probably in their early phase users in early December, and they are tempted. <laughs> they are tempted to use this. So how are you as an instructor going to deal with that? Mm -hmm. As always, Roger, you bring us um, just fascinating issues um, and fascinating conversations. So thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Should I tell you um, what the Wabash Center should do about ChatGPT? Because I, I, I typed it into the yes. bot. Yes, please go right ahead. <laughs> so my prompt was how will the Wabash Center address ChatGPT as it relates to excellent teaching and theological education? Are you ready for the answer? This is great. Yes. I think, wait, wait, that sounds like a caution. Wait, should I sit down? Wait. It's pretty good. I, the Wabash Center for Teaching and Learning in Theology and Religion is dedicated to promoting excellence in teaching and learning and theological education. It is likely that the center would address chat GPT in relation to teaching and theological education by exploring its potential uses and limitations and by offering guidance and resources to faculty and how to effectively integrate ChatGPT into their teaching practices. The center might also host workshops and conferences on the topic and engage in research to better understand the impact of ChatGPT on theological education. Ultimately, the Wabash Center's approach to ChatGPT would be guided by its commitment to promoting excellence in teaching and learning and theological education with its goal of helping faculty make the most of new technologies to enhance their teaching and better serve their students. So I would have written that more poetically, but I was that, that information is still the basic stuff. It's pretty good. Yeah, it, it's repetitive for sure. Yep. You would have done a much better job. Chords, I mean, it is generated in like a nanosecond. Yep. <laughs> and I didn't yep. do any other prompt. I didn't tell them what the Wabash Center was. It just found all that stuff. So isn't that fascinating? So there's nothing it, from... from my chair right now, there was nothing wrong with that, right? So like you said, it's about context, right? So there's nothing wrong with right. it. Um, it's just how do you now use that material? Now that you've asked for that material, how do you use the material that it generated? Yeah, yes. Mm. Yeah, I might use a draft of that. You can write a, <laughs> if you write a blog, you can start there, Roger. You got yes. <laughs> you're halfway there, and that would be that's that that's that's the conundrum, right? That's that's where people are. What do you do once right. this this the data is generated and compiled in these very provocative ways? Thank you. It God. is fun. It, yeah, it is fun yeah, to play with yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, and that's the key. That's the starting point for faculty who want to know more. Um, just go on the site and play with it. Right. right. There's nothing there's nothing prohibitive about it. Right. Just go just do what you just did. Yeah, you could just go on Google chat GPT or whatever and find it. You could log in through any login that you have with Facebook or Google or, of course, Microsoft and just ask prompts. And and it's pretty entertaining and do it in front of a class. I think it can be a learning experience and do it with the learning goals you have in your syllabus and the questions you ask in your syllabus. So you're not surprised when your students give you those answers in that data. Absolutely. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes perfect sense. Thank you, Dr. Nam. Thank you.
to our listeners, the Wabash Center website is the place. Look to our website for details concerning our cohort groups, hybrid workshops, writing colloquies, and roundtables. Also find resources on teaching and the teaching life through our blogs, journal on teaching, syllabi collection, as well as an archive of all of our podcasts. And on our website, find information about our regranting program for small and large projects. A special thanks to podcast producer Rachel Mills and the music which frames our podcast is the original composition of Paul Myrie. Wabash Center for more than 28 years is exclusively funded by Lilly Endowment Incorporated. And we are out. How was that, Paul? <laughs> <laughs>